Take the usual podcast hosting companies and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the podcast of Matrix Hosting and you'll experience a completely different world of whole podcast library hosting. Choose wisely at podcastermatrix.com. That's podcastermatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. Voodoo has been a staple in a great many movies, television episodes, and more. It is often dark. It is often menacing. It is often bloody. Inside this episode, we find a different definition and context for it. It's a religion. It's the centerpiece of a variety of ceremonies, but it is also the magnet for death. It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and an always educational review of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 2, The Voodoo Mambo. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Papa loves Mambo, but first, some quick housekeeping. A variety of online Friday the 13th fan groups. Nick and I were pushing out our usual now recording live notifications. Throughout all of social media. All through social media. And we found some excellent, responsive, and updated recently fan groups Mm -hmm. inside of a variety of listings. All of which we're going to put inside the show notes for this episode. So that for those of you that are tuning in that may even be inside of those groups or maybe aren't yet a member of them. Yeah, if you're looking for a place to experience, share, and just revel in your love for the show, there's places for you. Oh, I w- and I was amazed at how many there are, but more importantly, how responsive they are. Mm-hmm. Typically, when you find a group that is into a show like this, it's where, hey, look, it's really awesome, shiny object. And then it falls into cobwebs for disrepair. Right. And I was so elated to find so many different ones inside of our recent hunt. Go check them out over at our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Also let us know if there are other ones that you know of that we need to add to the list. Again, CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. More great content over at the Podcaster Matrix. Now, obviously, you're listening to one of the best 
podcasts that's available over at the Podcaster Matrix. But there's all kinds of great content across a variety of different interests over at podcastermatrix.com. And I want all of you to go check it out right now. Again, that's podcastermatrix.com. They give us a variety of services, including our hosting, our editing, but most importantly, the promotion for our program. Go check it out now over at podcastermatrix.com. Nick, enough of the housekeeping. It's time to rock the house inside of this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, season two, episode two. The Voodoo Mambo. Let's get to the retail. Dancing of the Calypso kind is going on, and Mickey and Ryan want to dance, but Jack has an old friend coming over for the solstice events. He's a legba, a conveyor of an old, ancient African religion. He's the link between our world and the other world. There are four legbas in total, and they channel the energies of earth, air, water, and fire. It's a special solstice celebration. And there he is. It's Joe Seneca, the gent from the Crossroads movie. But this time, he's the guardian of fire. His super hot granddaughter is also there. There's a short discussion about how voodoo is more of a religion than it is magic. The magic you see comes from the soul, which is in the throat. Good education. Gotta remember that for later. Have you heard the one about two men outside of a lawyer's house? They're discussing how everything is gone. Stocks, cars, money, it's all gone. The son, whose name is Carl, is now out on the street. By the way, Carl is also stupid. Carl heads back to the house that he now doesn't own because we can see that it's for sale from the for sale sign. And someone's been there. This is my house. I want you vultures out of my house. Hey, look, it's real estate rep number 17 who's got all the papers, deed change, eviction notice, all the locks have been changed, and oh, by the way, time to get out in an hour, Carl. Wah, wah, wah. Carl heads for the storage room to grab a suitcase to pack, but wait a second, what's this? It's a crate with personal effects from the now-dead father. Suddenly, the crate begins to burn from the inside out. Carl uses a giant machete from someplace to open up the crate and finds a mask. He puts on the mask, and eyes truly come to life. Creepy snake mask, Mike. Super creepy snake mask, and reasonably interesting looking, too. Real estate rep number 17 is now looking for Carl because, hey, it's time for him to leave. She finally finds him and the mask. Time to call the police, but not before Carl grabs her and the snake comes out of the mouth of the mask and bites and rips out her throat. And then she flops to the floor like an expired trout. The mask has successfully taken the soul of the real estate agent, Mike. The mask begins to talk to Carl, wooing him to power, wooing him to glory. Meanwhile, back at the solstice dance, Ryan is getting his Mac on, asking the granddaughter questions to find out more about her and her religion. Back at the basement, stupid Carl and the mask are having a conversation over the burial of real estate agent number 17. Time to conquer the four voodoo guardians to collect all of the power. (laughs) 
Mickey, Jack, and the Fire Voodoo Guardian are talking about the value of each of the Voodoo Guardians, and Granddaughter takes off for a secret ceremony in which she'll be en route to becoming a Guardian herself. By the way, Ryan is not invited. It's a voodoo dance party. Lots of holy calls and gestation ensue. The wind kicks into high gear. The guardian of the wind continues to scare the spirits. Fog envelops her, and a dark, masked spirit in a bad suit appears. It's stupid Carl with a mask on. Once again, a snake appears and kills, but this time it kills the guardian of the wind. Jack also discerns that her soul has been stolen. It's decided that the god of death has come to life and ate her soul. Apparently, if four souls can be collected, then the god of death can reanimate the dead. Fire Voodoo Guardian's granddaughter tells the tale. It's all about terror. It's all about a woman getting paid. But she was stopped after killing a whole bunch of people. Enough about that anyway, and oh hey, by the way, sorry about the whole snake death to the throat witness experience. See you later, Jack. Anyway, it's the solstice, and time to finish out the ceremony. Jack begins to prepare his investigation about the death and the mask and all the other stuff, but hey, it's a mask that was sold to a dude recently, and our trio jumps into action. Grand Voodoo Protector of Fire and the Granddaughter talk about the mask that's killing, and Gramps is having none of it. Ryan's found the details about, oh, the dead guy. It's stupid Carl's father. Gotta check this out anyway. Jack also feels that there's more to find out from the Voodoo Protector of Fire. Ryan and Mickey head to the soon-to-be-sold house that's open. Amazing. Isn't that convenient? Absolutely. Stupid Carl sneaks up behind them with a mask. Ryan finds nobody upstairs. Time to check out the basement, where all the action always happens inside of our show. Huge clunky lights guide our heroes down to the realtor's body hanging from the rafters. Ew, it's dripping blood to and fro. Ryan finds her purse. He finds her ID and, hey, a business card to an attorney that surely will come in handy later inside this episode. As they leave, stupid Carl watches from behind a tree. The mask beckons him to let them go because, hey, it's time to draw pictures in the dirt with a stick and impact the living people. Stupid Carl draws a picture of a bird and it ignites into a small fireball which becomes a black crow. The black crow springs to life. Only three souls are needed to continue the mission to bring the evil spirit to life. Another still-living voodoo protector of Earth is providing sacrament at another dancing event. Yay! More awesome followers made. And hey, look, it's Jack in line too. The granddaughter is getting her new kickassery mojo inside the ceremony. Yay! A victory to the light. Ryan and Mickey arrive and share the story at the ceremony of another death that's occurred in Voodoo Protector of Fire Granddad is sure that the goddess of death is dead. You know why? Because he drowned her. He choked her to death in the sea. Jack's going back to the center of it all. Back to big bad voodoo grandfather. He isn't having any of it. Heidi granddaughter goes to warn the water voodoo protector. Ryan heads to the lawyer's house. Big Bad Voodoo Granddaddy heads to the house to check out the leftover masks not on the ground. 
Mickey and the granddaughter are talking now to the voodoo goddess of water. Who cannot be harmed? Or can she? She can. She can! Stupid Carl springs from the water with the mask on and simply goes for the throat. And down goes voodoo protector of the water! Meanwhile, at the lawyer's house, Ryan's trying to get more information out of the lawyer, the gent that sold all the houses and cars and everything else, but he doesn't know where stupid Carl is, and shuts the door in Ryan's face. Oh, hang on a second, what's this? Carl, Carl! It's a black crow on the hood of the rolls! Sup with that, man! Can't have no crow on the rolls! Oh no! Death from above! Just like a deadly voodoo chicken, which we see many times inside of black and white footage, interspersed with Ryan being pecked to death by a stupid black crow! Oh, it's so violent! Oh, it's so bloody! It's the voodoo chicken! Ryan fights back valiantly and is somehow able to escape the clutches of the black voodoo chicken crow. Mickey and the granddaughter arrived to share news of the death of the water voodoo protector. Big bad voodoo granddaddy shares more about the goddess of death. And oh yeah, the goddess of death was... My wife. Bummer! Too bad he didn't share that previously. Now she has set the plan in motion to take the granddaughter's body forever. He continues and shares that, oh wait a minute, hey, Ryan's been skewered in the neck by Voodoo Chicken Crow. Bummer. Oh, and hang on a sec. Stupid Carl pops out of the floorboards and kills the Voodoo Protector of Earth. Bummer. She only needs one more soul. Her husband's. Stupid Carl snatches the granddaughter and heads for the hills. But it's all right because Jack Marshak, man of action has a plan. So does the goddess of death. Time to give her the mask, after which Carl will get all the goodness she can muster. Uh, I don't think so, Mike. I don't think so either. Uh, Oh, no, wait a second. You don't get anything good. What you do get is the happy mask hand dance spell on you. Eek! As dawn approaches, Ryan and the last grandpa voodoo daddy are talking about heading back to the house, and off they go. Jack and Mickey are sneaking towards the Goddess of Death's lair. And they sneak inside. Unfortunately, there are super squeaky floors. By the way, It's a trap! As they try to release the granddaughter, Jack is impacted by the special Goddess of Death's voodoo doll! The Goddess of Death uses her orange voodoo hand mojo super kick-ass dancery on Mickey to find out where the last voodoo daddy is. It doesn't make any difference because... He arrives. He's standing right behind her. Boo. And he'll be sure to give her the sweet death that she desires. But first, you've got to release the granddaughter. He details and relishes in the killing of her and how he enjoyed murdering her. And he remembers her eyes as she died and slipped away. I believe he's successfully goading her into making a mistake, Mike. Oh, well said. The goddess of death lifts the mask to the burgeoning sunlight. As daylight arrives, the granddaughter is able to get released. Ryan quickly tugs at the mask, which drops to the floor. The snake sees the new face in front of it. Unfortunately, it's the goddess of death. The snake strikes, strikes her in the throat, killing the goddess of death. 
but not before. She turns into an old woman, then vanishes from existence. I don't know if it's actually possible to kill a spirit, Mike. I don't think so either, but we're going to give him a pass because, hey, it's minute 41. Now it's time for some more steel drum kick-ass music. Jack's back at the shop taking care of some more interesting honey-do list items, and the mask is in the vault, making the item... Recovered! Jack is now preparing for the next adventure. The ladies are preparing to go dancing, and Ryan's ready for sustenance, regardless of the voodoo chicken crow neck damage. My God, what an interesting retelling of this episode inside of Season 2, Episode 2. Every episode that we review has goods and bads. Let's get to the good. The Lore and the Culture This program has been extraordinary in being able to enter into different pieces of culture and just in general going places that we might probably never go. Yeah. The other sample that I can think of off the top of my head is from last season is where they encounter the pseudo Amish people whom I've forgotten the names of uh, the, the uh, culture. The, the quilt of Hathor part one and two. Yes. And we're absolutely dunked into whatever they conjured for that culture. Right. That is loosely based on what you see inside of the Amish villes. And the Mennonites and the things like that. Yeah. Right. It was super cool and it gave you a perspective that you probably will never get. Mm-hmm. None of us are able to jump into a, a surroundings like that. And you, it really, really poured it on. This one, f- I felt it exactly the same thing and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. When this show offers a glimpse into another culture, when they get it right, it's aces. When they get it wrong, it's a little clunky. Like... Uh, a season one episode that I can remember that failed miserably by showing us another culture was a uh, tattoo. Oh, well said. You know, we're, yeah, we're yeah, here. Yeah. We're steeped in the underground art of Chinese gambling and we're dealing just we're literally just scratching the surface of Chinese culture. We're yeah. getting the whole family and honor thing. But other than that. Nothing. Not whole, yeah, not a whole lot of And really. again, I feel that they, they dropped the ball. With this episode, though, we start off right off the bat for the episode. Jack says, everything we've heard about voodoo is mostly myth. Mm-hmm. Up to this point, most people would think that voodoo was, you know, evil spirits, voodoo dolls, things like that. Yeah. And it is. Mm-hmm. But he elaborates by saying it's an actual religion, which it is an actual religion. Yeah, and I like how it's portrayed here. Yeah, yeah. To give you some contrast, something that we talked about in our prelude was another movie that came out not too far off of this. I think it was 87. Probably around the same time. Yeah. Close close to it. It was in that mid-late 80s-ish, and it was called- The Serpent and the Rainbow. Right. And I remember my dad taking me to it. I hated it the first time, and it's not because it was a terrible movie. It's because it's disturbing. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons why I also don't care in general for horror films. Mm. Not because it moves me, but it disturbs me internally. It's the same function. Yeah. And it's where I would avoid that movie. And what I'm really glad is that we only got a glimpse a little bit. And even black and white snapshot video the, segments. The quote-unquote what's supposed to be stock footage, which was filmed by Second Unit <laughs> earlier that week. I think it was taken out of a whatever video encyclopedia movies that they had. I don't even think it was that. No, there, was t- there was too much stuff that was too modern Okay, that they kept on going back. I, I'm looking yeah. at it, and I'm like, oh, wow, they actually got some stock footage. 
and then they started using it over and over and over again, and I'm like, that's eh, not stock footage. Mm, okay. Maybe I'm wrong, yeah. but it's, yeah. Uh, the bottom line here is that they were able to just get to the surface of what disturbs me about the whole voodoo thing mm-hmm. and just get dark enough and then take the, the blob of the mysterious negative evil spirit Tris yeah. and throw that at our face and it worked. Yeah. Absolutely. Familiar background actor. For those that missed out inside of our retelling, that was Joe Seneca. And where I remember him from, absolutely, without question, to this day, period, is Crossroads the movie. Yeah. It, and it, and not, we're, we're not talking about the Britney Spears <laughs> late 90s, early 2000s Crossroads. We're talking about the 1980s film starring Joe Seneca and Mr. Ralph Macchio. Yeah, and Stevie Vai. Yes, and, and the blues yeah. and the crossroads and the devil and the deals that you make. Yeah. Great movie. It, it's tremendous. I also remember, and it's also very interesting because even though Crossroads isn't a horror movie, it does deal with a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. So you could at least Darkness. call it a yeah. supernatural yeah. drama. Yeah. The other film that I remember him from, especially from that time period, the late 80s, is the remake of The Blob. Mm. I'm not a huge remake fan, but this is one of those remakes that got it right. And this is the late 80s. Mm. And he plays the dirtbag scientist who knows a little bit more than he's letting on to the townsfolk about what's going on. Interesting. Yeah. That's great. I, I And I loved seeing him. I instantly had the warm fuzzy of, mm-hmm. I can't wait to be taken care of by him. Instant street cred for the episode, without question. Location production design. It is now a hallmark of this program, without question, Mm -hmm. where they're able to secure a location, a real life, look at this, hey, hey, look at this location. And then they're going to film the shit out of it. Right. And it really does pay off. They, they, They find every single corner... And view that they want to, they light it appropriately and give you exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. This one, I, I, I'll give you a, a really, really cool sample here. The last episode that we reviewed, episode one of this season, had some extraordinary visuals in that every single view of what you would want to see in a professional haunted house, it was shown inside that episode. Well, yeah. Every single view Minus you can a skeleton imagine. jumping out of a closet. <laughs> right, or some dude going, with a... Yeah, some dude with a plastic cleaver. Yeah. Uh, that was the only thing that was missing. Please, ma'am, don't touch the actors. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. Inside of this one, I-, I loved how they just used a house. Well, yeah. it, it's, nice it, big house. Yeah. Uh, the the for sale sign worked in front of it. Whether it was for sale or not, it doesn't make any difference. For all we know, it could have been a family member of one of the people that was on staff or in the crew. Mm. And hey, you can use the house for the weekend. Make sure you're out by Sunday at three o'clock. Wife's got to start cooking at four thirty. Cool, yeah. cool, awesome. Handshake done. A lot of exterior shots. I think this show has a hell of a lot more credibility when we're out of the quote unquote studio. Yeah, you know, when, they're, when they're out about in town where you can actually see scenery, cars driving by, people walking yeah. by, it, it definitely adds to the believability of whatever story that they're telling. Yeah. And this one had enough use of locations, multiple locations. And it's mm-hmm. nice because the last two episodes we've reviewed, the season finale of season one and then the season premiere of season two, not a lot of locations. Just right. kind of we're at the shop. 
And then we're at the creepy haunted house. Right. Oh, look, we're back at the shop again. Yeah. Those are the goods we had inside this episode. I'm curious, though, what did you find that was good inside this episode? Let us know by going over to our website, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us what you thought was good inside this episode. Well, you don't just get the goods. What comes with the goods is the not-so-goods. Let's take a look at a few things that we thought could have used a little bit of polish in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Taking things for granted back then. So something that we mentioned in the preamble of this recording was a a possible disbelief pill because there were a couple of things that were happening in the episode that kind of just went, what, what, what? Well, why are you doing that? Yeah, let's be clear. There's three. (laughs) It would be the outright murder, public murders. That that was the big problem. True. Yes, we never saw any police involvement. Just because we didn't see it, we can't prove that it wasn't there. Right. But nobody was calling the cops. No was nobody was being interviewed by police. (laughs) There's no coroner zipping up a body bag. You know when Mickey and Ryan discover the body. Of the free, the drip, the 17. blood dripping yeah. corpse of real estate agent number seventeen in the rafters of the basement. <laughs> yeah. It's eh. ew. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Where's no, the rag? well, I, See ya. I maybe should we call the police? <laughs> I don't know. And the thing is, is that for something like this back then, I could totally understand that stuff like that. You overlook that in the writing process because there's no time. Right. There's no time to have that scene where, well, I'll call the police and make sure somebody comes and yeah. takes care of this poor yeah. woman, this poor woman's corpse. Yeah. More importantly, you can't take the time to film the scene of the two of them going upstairs to use the phone because there is no, there's no cell phone. Right. There's no whip out a piece of plastic out of your pocket and call somebody. Today, it could gone. be as easy as one person whipping out the cell yeah. phone, calling nine one one, and yeah. doing that, while another character is doing more of the. Supernatural investigation stuff, yeah. Yeah. but that's today, and right. we're we've been lulled into this malaise because it's it's what we see nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just kind of there. When a show is written well, all the little check boxes get checked. Mm-hmm. Well, back then they weren't really worried about things like that. Yeah, and we talked about it a lot in season one, where police representation was very questionable. Mm-hmm. Well, it's flat out missing, missing. in this one. Yeah. So, yes, definitely a ding, but it's one of those dings that it's kind of you kind of have to blame it on the time period in which it was written. Mm-hmm. The character of Carl. Inside the retelling, we were we you were just flat I out just, just calling stupid, him stupid Carl. Carl because yeah. Carl was stupid. He, he was. And not only was Carl stupid, his character was a mechanism of being stupid. And I, I'm not looking for everybody to be rocket scientists that is then overtaken by evil spirit. That, that's not what I'm looking for. I was looking for more evil from Carl. Like, outright, I want to get mine. Hmm. And all we were told was that the lawyer said that he'd squandered the family fortune. I didn't get any of that off of him before he got overtaken by spirit, like at all. Well, if you're going to have, and this is just my opinion, but if you're going to have the human, and we kind of talked about this in the previous Mm -hmm. episode, with Uncle Lewis inhabiting the body of Eddie, the Mm -hmm. not-so-reformed criminal, 
if you're going to have a body to be used for a spirit's outside influence, at least make the character of that vessel interesting. Yeah. Because he's either like Eddie was in the previous episode, useless, or he's like Carl, who we get at the beginning that spoiled rich brat thing, and then he kind of just becomes, oh, okay, I'll do what the spooky math tells me to do. I'm Carl. And and the payoff, the, the payoff that's supposed to happen when Carl gets his at the end, where are we supposed to have some pathos for him? Because we don't. I mean, like, oh, hey, look. The evil sorceress got over on Carl. Well, he got what he deserves. So, I mean, this is kind of one of those characters where you're kind of happy to see him die in the end. But even his death was kind of bleh. Yes. I I mean, and that's a problem. The problem is that the whole character was bleh. The ending. I think I hated this a little bit more than you. And not so much where it ruined the episode. Uh-huh. I was looking for some sort of different cadence of what was going on here. That the whole process of Ryan sneaking back behind the sorceress, right, and then the wiggle of the granddaughter's wrists, and then the ensuing activity. I, I, again, it's not where I go, boy, that ending sucked. It's where I go, I understand what they're trying to convey. And somehow there should have been a more effective way to present that a more as interesting being captured. Way. Yes, yes, absolutely. You literally have all of your characters. The characters that are left over for this story, they're all in one room. Jack has been incapacitated with a voodoo doll. Okay. Mickey is also incapacitated because the evil priestess was using her mojo Super hand dance orange thing. hand dance thing, right. So she's kind of out of the game as well she's Mm -hmm. on the floor she's Mm -hmm. protecting jack Mm -hmm. we're supposed to believe that fireman voodoo granddaddy is distracting the evil with all of the talk of his murdering her Mm -hmm. to keep her distracted while ryan slowly moves behind the granddaughter to get into position so that when the goddess of death decides, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really going to kill you, and takes the mask off of the granddaughter and lifts it to the air. I'm sure we were supposed to think that something more grand was going to happen except for Ryan swatting at it like a cat swatting a bug. And then it falls on the floor, and because it's... And fall, because she it, looks at it, it Yes, face to face. It's like, weird. oh, I was supposed to be eating... I'm going to eat whatever's in front of me, lady. That's yeah. what evil I, death snake does. So, so yeah. It, it was clunky. It, it was it, very clunky. If, if I had to put a moniker on what we saw, it was clunky. It, 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 it had no flow. Especially with the gravitas of Joe Seneca's monologue yeah. of how he felt when he was killing her. Yeah. That was great stuff. And it, it's like, oh, we're, we're here for the layup. And, oh, well, nope. Game's over and we lost. Yeah. And it's like right there when when it's all supposed to come to fruition, that idiot dancing guy from the old Six Flags Great America commercials <laughs> pops out. It just it didn't it felt yeah. clunky. Yeah, sadly. sadly. And, and I, I, I so wanted to see something satisfying. Yeah. I got none of it. It's probably the biggest ding in this episode. Yes, without question. 
Well, those were our opinions about what needed some polish in this episode, but we're curious about what you thought were the not-so-goods in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Let us know by heading over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Hit the contact button, fill out the contact form, and tell us what you think. Well, because of all the awesome voodoo priestessering, we're running incredibly long inside of this episode. We will be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content, and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and an always educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 2, The Voodoo Mambo. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to identify and share our manifest moments. The manifest moments are where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element, or something else inside the episode that tripped our collective review nights. Fantastic. Nick, what have you got? For this episode, my manifest moment has got to be the cursed object. We have not had a mask mm, Well said. so far well said. in this show. So yeah. here we are, two episodes into season two, we've got ourselves a nice evil mask. And it's, it's in the guise of a snake. And when it's activated to take the soul from somebody, well, a snake slithers out of the damn mouth and strikes 
the people in their throats because that's where, in the voodoo religion, the soul is believed to be. Well, I don't like snakes, Mike. <laughs> I don't. I don't I like. That. I, I don't like that things you. that have no legs. <laughs> I don't trust them. It's evil. That's the devil. I don't want to call it the hokiness of the effect of the mouth of the mask opening up and the snake coming out. Uh, again, that would be me nitpicking of the sign of the times in which it was made. Sure. I'm sure today, if it was remade, you know, we'd have awesome digitalness mm-hmm. and, and it would look spotless. Right. I like the fact that we're uh, we're, we, we're two seasons in. We're the beginning of another the second season, and we're still able to do new things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And masks are just great. That is my manifest moment. Yeah, I thought it was extraordinary too because it was really a it's an it's a, an extraordinary mask because it's very individual. It doesn't look like anything else in general that I remember seeing from back then. Mm. It, it, it's striking enough and individual enough that I, I thought it was really effective. My manifest moment for this episode has got to be spreading the power between multiple people. Something that I found really compelling in the very first piece of the storytelling here was that they've taken the power of what exists here and split it between four different people. And those four different people, the powers are spread across air, water, fire, and earth mm-hmm. and it's you know it's a tale as old as time but it's a great story and those those fundamentals are great fundamentals to build stories on and i thought this episode did an exquisite job of utilizing those as a platform for marking people for death it, it was perfect because not only did you kind of know Oh, okay, so there's the voodoo granddaddy of fire. Got it. Oh, so what you're telling me is that there are three other individuals. One's going to be air, one's going to be water, one's going to be earth. And you've already got that in your brain before you ever do anything inside the episode. Yeah. That's brilliant, and I think it really works effectively inside this episode. And that's where we ask you guys, what was your manifest moment inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us. What do you identify as your manifest moment for this episode? Vocabulary. Ah, time for some vocabulary, thanks to our friends over at Visual Thesaurus. Our first vocabulary word is... Voodoo. A very interesting word that conjures all kind of visuals and has so many different pieces of language utilization. The first one is as a noun, a charm superstitiously believed to embody magical powers. It's also used as a noun in Haiti, i.e. followers of a religion that involves witchcraft and animistic deities. Very interesting. And again, that they were able to wrap this way more about, hey, it's a religion thing, than, hey, voodoo magic spellness, Oh, we got the zombies coming. Yeah, it was a very interesting take on it, and I thought it was terribly effective and, and able to do that. A lot of original horror films, and when I say original, I'm talking about films that were made almost 100 years ago. Yeah. Most of the films that had anything to do with zombies, it was always the voodoo zombies. Mm. And the mm. Haitian culture was looked at as, okay, they believe in voodoo and and a lot of evil, weird shit, and they can also make zombies. 
it's not until the 50s when zombies become flesh eaters and things like that. So it's very interesting, again, that this episode from a show that's all about the evil, cursed stuff from the devil taking something that is primarily looked at as something evil and shedding the light of, it's not evil, you just don't understand it. It's a religion. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, terribly effective. The other words inside of the listing for voodoo are verbs. The first one is bewitch by or as if by a voodoo. The last one we have is to cast a spell over someone or something. Put a hex on somebody or something. Very interesting word, voodoo. Our second vocabulary word is... Legba. Legba. Man, when they were flying through the vocabulary words at the front of this episode, there was a lot of really great stuff to get, but this one struck me the most, mostly because this is the name of what I wanted to originally call the voodoo daddy. Right. But it's not the voodoo daddy, it's the legba. Anyway, legba is one of the many ancient voodoo gods, or los. In Haitian voodoo, he acts as an intermediary between gods and humans, as well as opening the road to the spirit world. Very interesting. And all of this conjures your own internal visualizations Mm -hmm. and then opens a door to stuff that you probably can't even think of, of every connotation. What I found the most disturbing about that Serpent in the Rainbow movie is that they go down the dark hole. Oh, yeah. Quite literally. And uh, that whole being buried alive thing, that instantly gets the heebie-jeebies going on me. And so that's what that movie's based on. The whole push, the trailer, all of it was all based on that. Mm -hmm. And that's where it really did get me. Bill Bill Pullman in that movie is absolute creep Mike outness. It's Mm. crazy. Lots of vocabulary inside of this episode, and we're wondering what you guys recognize in regard to vocabulary. Let us know what you think. Again, by going over to our website, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what vocabulary you found inside this episode. Episode rating. Ah, the rating inside of the Curious Goods podcast. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. Sweet steel drums echoing into the night. A 1 is on the bottom of the scale. Would you like a crow voodoo chicken bone? Everything starts at a 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? There's not much more that I can say about this episode before I give my rating that I haven't already said during the review. I'm very pleased at the quality of, so we're going to take this story... And we're going to take this belief that most viewers think, oh, that's like that's like witchcraft and yeah, evil witches. Blood. That's right, yeah, voodoo, right. Right. sticking pins and dolls and stuff. And we're going to paint it in a more positive light. But because this is a horror anthology show, yeah, we're going to show the dark side mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that we get both sides mm-hmm. of this belief system, this religion. I'm more appreciative of that than I am of, let's just stick to the dark stuff so that we can scare people. Yeah. And again, this show surprises me. Mm -hmm. And with all of our not-so-goods counted up, 
I'm going to rate this episode an eight. I think that's a good call for this. I think it's also a great observation in regard to trying to paint voodoo as something different than the giant letter V and O-O and capital D and O-O, voodoo. ah! They did. They absolutely painted it as something different inside of this, and I I have to give it to them. Not only were they able to, to paint it as something different, they were able to give us the colloquial voodoo. And it still works. Right, yeah. So that, that, that was tremendous. You're absolutely right about the dings that were inside of this. And adding those up, taking into account where the positives then are evoked, I have to give this episode a seven as an average. Mm. It's right in the middle of where I would go, oh, you've never seen this show? Why don't you try this episode? It, it absolutely gives you a taste of what you can look forward to inside of episodes and gives you a good solid average down the seven center. That's where we ask you guys, what do you rate this episode? Season 2, Episode 2. The Voodoo Mambo. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us where you are on the scale. So again, for the Curious Goods Podcast, I'm... Nick. Uh, what? Don't... Huh? Don't move! Freeze! Snakes. Why'd it have to be snakes? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. The Mambo. No. <laughs> Italiano. Dina Martina. The Mambo. No, I'm doing it again. The Voodoo Mambo. <laughs> I'll just steal it from the first time I, I said it. I think that's a good idea, Nick. All right. Pick up your phone. Look at the show notes. I have them. Do you want me to read? No, no. I, I, I now have them. Oh, okay. You were talking to you, sir. I, I was. Okay, yes. I'm like... You sometimes to, I do need, I need do I need fucking stereo vision. To... Sometimes I need things to amuse me <laughs> during the edit. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that the the Nick amusement machine had been enacted. That's right. So sorry.